Hi, my name is Pat Live and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. I've been talking to Canadian artists for almost a year, checking in to see how they're coping, both personally and professionally. Yes, we had some bright spots, but 2020 was basically a wash, changing the course of many lives, some permanently. As we all continue to manage our lives in this new reality, remaining hopeful there is an end in sight. We are now well into 2021, with no significant changes in the world of live performance on the horizon. Streaming is now becoming ever more popular, more sophisticated and creative, and ticket prices are creeping up, but we're still stuck with the 2D version of a live show. Canada, and particularly Ontario, is in its third, more serious and deadly wave of the virus. Provincial laws are becoming more draconian and ridiculous, sort of like swatting a fly with a piece of wet spaghetti. With too much backpedaling and bad decision-making by our Premier, Ontarians are becoming fed up. The medical community and frontline workers are at their wits' end. The land at the end of the tunnel is a little further out of reach. I am continuing to speak to new artists in 2021, as well as publish the conversations that took place last year. I'm also circling back to some of the artists to catch up with them almost a year later. The big question is, have things really changed in a year? Or has anything changed at all? As the late, great Long John Baldry once said, Cheryl Luscombe is one of the best and biggest voices in Canada. I've had many great singers with me over the years, and Cheryl is by far one of my favorites. Matter of fact, straight shooter Cheryl Luscombe pulls no punches. She can be all rough and tumble on the outside, but her heart is as big as her voice, and it's huge. In her 45-plus year career, Cheryl has performed with some of the best blues artists in Canada, including Ronnie Hawkins, Long John Baldry, Jeff Healy, Matt Minglewood, Downchild Blues Band, Jack DeKaiser, Dutch Mason, Bill Durst, Del Shannon, David Wilcox, the Detroit Women, and Paul James. And that's just the short list. Cheryl met Ann Wilson when Hart played at a bar in Kitchener. According to Cheryl, when she told Ann how much she wanted to front a band and sing, Ann said, Stop smoking, stop slinging beer. Start taking vocal lessons and just do it. So I just did it. Well known in the blues community, Cheryl is both classy and sassy, with a voice that has been described as soulful and road-weary, yet sweet and sophisticated. She is a vocal powerhouse that feels every song she sings with every fiber of her being. Regarding one of her songs, she said, If I don't make you cry, I haven't done my job. And she does her job extremely well. Cheryl has released six CDs during her career. Her most recent, Well Played, with the Tucson Choir Boys, was released in October 2020 on Busted Flat Records. The album is an introspective look at one's life, the aging process, and remembering. I caught up with Cheryl last July after she'd finished recording a performance at Metalworks for the Southside Shuffles online event. We sat outside on a rather noisy patio on a rather busy main street, so you'll have to forgive the sounds of the world going by. No charge for the added entertainment. 
there's a big difference between a 40-year-old and a 67-year-old. I just don't have as much, I don't know, I, I was talking to Keisha and Sam and, and you know, they, they have so much more, they're so much more serious about it. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, because of their age. It's, it's different for me because I'm 67. I've been in this since 1975. And I can look at it as a, as a, you know, quasi early retirement, as something that I needed. I've been running around since I was 13. I can look at it a little bit more without being so scared of my future. You know what I mean? Like those women at 40, they, first of all, Sam's never had babies. So she's given that up. And now if she has to, I mean, the only way we make money as artists anymore is is through live music. Yeah. And that's the only thing that separates the fucking idiots in the basement and the ones that are on stage entertaining. You know? So. <laughs> I know. And I totally agree. Okay, well, like, my name is Cheryl Lescom, and I've been a full-time singer slash entertainer since 1975. And um, uh, I've had the privilege to play with some of Canada's best artists, and um, I still have the privilege to play with Canada's best artists. <laughs> I'm a lucky girl. You are. I am actually. lucky. You know, I've been here for a long time and I still love okay over here, Thank you so much. Yes. Awesome. Um, you're a blues singer primarily? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, yeah, I don't I don't sing just 12-bar blues, though. No. I can't just sing 12-bar blues. So I, I, I have a blues texture in my voice, but I sing, you know, anything that I, anything I like. So my new CD is all originals, and it's kind of, kind of bluesy slash rockabilly slash, I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on stuff because I don't really want to do something that's normal. I mean, yeah, and genres to me are really for marketing purposes, anyways. Just stuff. You should just be able to sing it or play yeah. whatever you but want. When to. people say, "So, uh, what kind of music is?" I just want to go. I don't know. What kind of person are you? It's music. It's, it's everything. Music. It's everything. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so where were you a year ago? What were you doing a year ago? And where did you think you would be now? A year ago, I had a really good year because it was the, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. So I was doing two Woodstock shows, one with Vance Anderson and one with Chucky Zare. I was doing um, the Tucson Choir Boys. Uh, I was doing a duo. and I mean, I was working. The summer last year was really, really good, but this summer would have been better. This summer I had booked every festival I ever wanted to play, like Collingwood Festival, I haven't played for a while. I haven't played. Um, I, I haven't played... Uh, there, was, there was about three festivals that I'd never played that I was going to be playing this year. And I, it's just it's just heartbreaking because I had a really, really good year lined up, especially summertime, because in the wintertime I do the, the blues trips and we go down south and we try to get people on. But the summertime is your sort of... When you can, you know make a little bit more money and play outdoors and see all your friends and yeah no it's it's really unfortunate because they're all gone everything's gone so what's your current situation now as as far as playing yeah they're just starting i'm starting to do uh some backyard concerts uh i haven't done any bars yet because i just you know i don't think that alcohol and this this covid thing next i just don't think it's a good idea uh, i think you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I've got a couple of things. That, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just put it that way. And with my new CD, I know that I've got 
something that at least I can sell, you know, which for five cents. <laughs> That's good. That's nice. <laughs> it's a start. So has has the pandemic um, changed the way you approach your art or make yourself relevant? Yeah, because I'm not social sa social media savvy. I'm from the generation of no social media, and I don't know how to do it. So I'm not, and I wouldn't want to do it. To be honest with you, uh, this all this stuff that's on YouTube and you know on Facebook, and you can have it as far as I'm concerned, because I just uh, I'm I'm an entertainer. I'm here to entertain, and if I don't have an audience in front of me, I can fake it for a bit, but I can't fake it for long. And um, I don't want to. I'm not here. To, I'm not here for that. I didn't sign up for this. So if I can't, you know, look at somebody and watch their emotions and see what I'm doing to them as a as a performer, then to me it's like, you know, it's like having sex by yourself. It's yeah. not as much fun. I'll drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a writer. Yeah. So what's going on? Any reflect in your writing or no? I've music written all these lyrics? songs that I've written in the, for this last CD are very uh, reflective because the CD is basically about getting old and uh, just about how people treat you and what's next and all that stuff. So um, the pand I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> getting old is negative enough without putting the pandemic on top of it. It would it would have been too much. I like that pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> So I mean I, I I haven't written anything through this because I've been working on the CD, the the one that I've you know been writing for the last three years. So it's going to be done, which I you know I wouldn't have had the time. There's a few things with this this thing that's been a positive, you know, a few being that I've had to slow down, I've had to uh, I've had time to really work on this CD, which I would have thrown out probably quicker than I than I wanted to, and. Um, you know, just uh, like like I'm 67, I get to kind of, I've been running since, like my son said to me, what are you doing? Like, you know, because the first two months it was like, oh my God, because all the gigs were gone. The gigs were just getting canceled. Every day it was like a new email of destruction, you know. And these were great gigs. I mean, I had, I had was, was going to be working with an all-female band called the Sheetles. I was going to be working with an all-female band called the Dames. I was going to be working with an all-female band um, from London, and it was, it's just, uh, and plus my new CD, and um, I had some gigs with the Mad Dogs and Englishmen show with Lance Anderson, and I mean, I just, it was just, and you know, so it's been really depressing. So the first two months was like, fuck, I was, I was upset, and my son came to visit me, and he could tell that I was, you know, kind of treading water, and he said, uh, you know, you've been running around, you know, I was a single mom, basically, and raised by a single mom and I've been running around like an idiot since I was 13 just trying to keep my head above water and now I, 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 I he said stop just stop and smell the roses and take advantage of this time that you've got off and you know go to your friend's cottage and do stuff that you would have that you can never do and so that's what I've been doing so that's been really good that's a huge positive it's a huge positive so how have you been coping personally like I said earlier, I'm 67. I'm not 40. I don't know what I'd be doing if I was 40. I really don't. I, my heart breaks for these full-time musicians that, you know, have never had the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. 
where we made, you know, 1500 bucks a week and worked every day in a matinee on Saturday. You know, they never had that. So now, you know, with streaming, the only thing we had was live. And now with this gone, I, I don't, I, I'm sure it'll come back. I'm sure it'll come back at some point. My son's an actor. His career's over before it even started. So, I mean, it's everybody in the arts that's creative is getting is getting messed up by this. So, it's soul disturbing, you know? Yeah, especially for the younger artists. I mean, live performance is key to their development and their growth. And if you don't have a bar, you can't do it. You can play in your mother's garage for until you're blue in the face, but if you're not sitting... In a, you know, on stage in a, in a bar where people are looking at you, that's where you learn to be, become a performer. That's the difference between a, being a musician and being a performer. And you learn that in a bar. And if we don't have these bars, and they're all shutting down left, right, and center now, I don't. I there's no future for these kids. There's no future for live music. Like this so is that's what you see. That's what I I'm I'm afraid for the next. I'm afraid for how music now has become nothing but digital digital tracks that people just moan over like it's just wimpy shit as far as I'm concerned and now we're getting into the point where it's even I mean we're taking we're taking the soul of it you know the very soul of it and and I'm praying that there's some sort of you know whether it's a vaccine or whether it's some sort of antibodies that makes our immune system stronger or whatever but you know, I'm praying that this isn't just media-driven. I'm praying that this is really, you know, this was worth destroying, destroying people's careers for. Anybody in, you know, anybody in the travel business, anybody in the bar business, anybody that's in any sort of entertainment field, anybody that's an actor, anybody, all these people that are on Broadway that have been stage actors for years and, and spent their lives and sold their souls to get there. You know, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. So I, 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 for myself, I'm more worried about the future for my children than I am for myself. Yeah, I had a, uh, one of my, my interviews um, commented that he's really afraid for his daughter. And I said, why is that? He said, well, he said, I'm beginning to worry. I'm really concerned that my daughter will never be able to experience live music the way we've all experienced. Right. Now, he's only 41. His daughter, I think, is not eight or nine um, and he figures that even if some of live music comes back, by the time it does, and by the time you can have a decent audience, the kids will be so used to getting their 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 music from online that they won't even want to be bothered to go out to see and dancing. live performance and dancing, dancing. That I mean, break that one breaks my heart. I mean, because I love singing dance. and dancing. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, that's the joy. Yeah. So it, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the, taking the joy away. And that's and that that's, that's, you know, that's scary shit. This, this year, this 2020, between Donald Trump, this pandemic, this, you know, the whole industry uh, going into streaming and, you know, where we can't make any money off of our music any, anyway. It's just, these things are, are these things are... Very worrisome. Very worrisome and very frustrating. Very frustrating. So I think you've answered my next question, which is, do you think 2020 is a career killer, especially for kids just starting out of the gate? Well, you know what? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's um, weeding out the shit. Maybe it's going to 
take the real soul survivors to 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 because there's so much shit out there there's so many musicians that are that are not full-time musicians that just play on the weekends that they'll play for free beer and they'll they'll always be there you know it's the full-time musicians that are going to get hurt by this but maybe maybe um the ones that you know like i always say like i i didn't pick music music picked me i didn't really have a choice i think i would have died without it and I don't know whether, you know, what happens to that. What, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm so, I'm very concerned, very worried about it. 2020 is the, we've lived through a lot of shit. I mean, I lived through the 60s, you know, Martin Luther King and Robert J. Kennedy getting killed within months of each other. And I remember how devastating that was and just thinking the world's going to hell and the riots in Detroit. And, you know, I, I was, I remember being like a 15-year-old kid being scared, you know. Um, now it's, it's, there's so many things to be afraid of. Like it's, you know, it's just so many unknowns, so many unknowns. Yeah. And, and what we had in the sixties through all this was the music. That was the thing that we identified, the thing that made us that, you know, the, the protest songs that, you know, I mean, they were the things that were enlightening to us and, and, you know, and the lyrics meant the just lyrics. as much as Absolutely. the music. And in retrospect, it was also a bit of a simpler time. It was a freer time. It was a more creative time. In some ways it was. You know, like, in some ways it was. It be- because we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. But, I mean, now... Now I we know too much. Now we can. Now you can take an Apple, you know, an Apple iPad and go into the basement and become a, a, a fucking songwriter. You know, I mean, now you can... But there's some things that... I mean, I was a product of the 50s and the 60s as a child, raised by a single mom without a dad, and um, it was not a good time to be... It was a shitty time to be a kid. And, it, and I think social media and cell phones and stuff like that have given people certain freedoms that are good. You know, I, 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 when we're talking about a simpler time, I don't think that that simpler time necessarily was better, especially for women and children. And now it's time for our first musical break. Shine, a beautiful heartwarming song written by Cheryl for her two sons. A reminder just how fast time passes, no matter what you do or where you go. As a mom, I'll always be there. A hope that as your years start winding up and mine are winding down, you live your life, embrace it, and shine. A poignant message indeed. You feed him and you love him You guide him down the road Pray that he's listening To all that he's been told So love me
lessons learned on such a short, fast run. Death fears and blind luck, they won't take you far. But I'll be there to love you for all that you are. It's just for a moment. I'm just an instant in time You're gonna look for another And I hope that she lets you shine to the pandemic interviews conversations in a changing time we just heard the song shine written and performed by cheryl lescombe from her new cd well played you're listening to a conversation i had with cheryl in late july 2020 do you think that this is a good opportunity for the young musicians to start preparing and planning ahead and they're ready to go whether it's with music whether it's you know writing a lot of songs and uh the business end of it, because a lot of them are learning the business end of it as well. Do you think this is a good time for them to sit back and take a look at no, what they're doing? And no, I don't think this is a good time at all. I no. think this is fucking terrible. Because we're doozers. And and you, it's not just it's not just planning. I think that, you know, people are going to... There'll be more backyard parties, which is a good thing. I think things are going to become more personal. That's a good thing. I think then when people get back to to listening they're going to really listen and maybe pay attention a little bit more but it's it's a shit show it's just it's making do it's it's taking you know it's taking a piece of shit and molding it into something that but it's still shit <laughs> you know some of the old silk purse in the south ear yeah but it's you know i mean it's it's just making a terrible trying to trying to make something good out of a terrible situation. It's still a terrible situation. Do you think artists might be uh, uh, might be a little bit more flexible or adaptable to change? 
as Sam calls, as Samantha calls it, they can pivot. Well, what does Sam think? I mean, I'm interested to hear what she has to say. She said yes, and she thought that she doesn't call it adaptable or flexibility. She calls it pivoting. So that if this isn't working in this way, then you pivot and you look and you try try it this way. And if that doesn't work, you pivot again. So, so I call it adaptability or flexibility. I mean, artists will typically, from some of my experience, go, okay, well that was not working. The example that she gave is when she was, and I remember reading about it on Facebook when she was heading overseas to do a tour, and she's in the airport, and they're about to, to book, a, they're about to get on a flight, and she gets a call that says her drummer's missed the flight. Right. And she needs a drummer over there. So right. she's got, so she said, I pivot. So right. I, I either hire a drummer over there or I get my drummer over or I play without a drummer for maybe the first gig right. or um, I find another drummer and get their ass over there. She did number three. She found another drummer and that drummer just dropped everything and flew but over. But she can always do that. You can't do it without that gig in the first place. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that I worry about. I mean, I, I'm sure things are going to change. But uh, see, the thing, Pat, that we're talking about here is that I remember the good old days. And they were the good old days. When it was talking about musicians, I mean, we made... I made more money in 1975 than I've ever made in my whole life. And, you know, I mean, plus there was jingles back in the 80s. There was tons of work, you know. Samantha has nothing to compare it to. I think maybe that's the problem. You know, having it and losing it's better, worse than never having it at all. It's been interesting because the artists that I have been talking to have been a wide range. You know, there's yourself, there's Paul DeLong, also the same age as you. Right. There's different, and and then some in the middle, and one of the artists I just spoke to is a young band. They've been together for two years. Have you talked to Matt Whitinger yet? Who? Matt Whitinger. No. I have not. He's like he's my boy, and I, I, you know, I worry about him because he's he plays every instrument. He's a brilliant songwriter. He's a brilliant player. He's he's 27 years old. He's um, he's one of the most gifted people I've ever met in my life. And you know, he's got his serve. He's fine. What's going to happen after that stops? This is the fuck. You go ask these questions in six months after serve's been done. That's exactly what I'm going to be doing. Because that's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. So what do you think it's going to take to get people up to see live music then? I think it's going to take some sort of uh, a cure or vaccine or an antibody or something. I I think that, you know, especially this business of you can't sing because you spray and you can't dance because you spray and you can't be in a choir because you spray. Uh, You know, so even like I'm doing, supposed to be doing... And I think it's getting canceled, the July 31st gig at, uh, at a drive-in. And um, they're having trouble selling tickets. $100 a car, you can put four people in, you can get out of your car, you can dance around. There's, you know, the music's coming through your car speaker. You're, you're 40 to 60 feet away from the stage to the first car. But we want to put a plexiglass thing in front of the stage. They want... You'd be able to get out of your car and dance around and stuff, but if the wind's blowing towards you, we've got, say, yeah, thanks. Say a hundred, a hundred people that are going to be, all their stuff's coming your way. And what if it's windy? Then the the plexiglass thing flies over, and it's just going to be, you know, it's like, it's like, 
you know it's a big sigh it's yeah. yeah so it'll be interesting I don't know if it's even gonna go over because I don't know if people are gonna want to pay hundred dollars for that it's I think an awful lot of people and plus my demographic which you know is is sort of like 40s 50s you know 60s 60s 70s you'd be surprised at a very young demographic my 32 year old listens to everything including the blues and the Lennon sisters okay well there you, well, there you go he's got <laughs> yeah. taste yes he does but you know that it's just a little older demographic and yeah. these people I don't know I don't think people are going to want it in their house and their big screens like, like they can watch football it's not the same thing is watching a live performance. I mean, you can see it better, but you can't. You're not breathing the same air as these people, and that's a big thing. You know, it's just and the whole thing about seeing a live performance is that everybody's participating in right. the audience, and you have and no if you idea. Have, if you have a microphone screen in front of you, that's a barrier. It's Absolutely. a psychological barrier. Absolutely, it's a physical. It's the physical barrier becomes a psychological Absolutely. barrier. And it does, and especially for the the artist too. I mean. I am as only as good as my audience. If you have an audience that is, you know, that is engaged, I, I'm, my octaves are better, my fucking show, everything's better. But if I am sitting in some place and nobody gives a shit, or nobody's paying attention or looking at you, and say, it's really hard to get that. I mean, like you can do it, you can fake anything, but you're faking it. It's, it's like, you know, I, I you can, you, you can fake it, Pat. Yeah. But, you know, we just take it till you to, make it. That's right. <laughs> but I, it's not something that, you know, again, I didn't sign up for this. And, and I've had too many fantastic years to um, to want to go someplace shitty. Yeah. Just, you know, that's the problem is that you know, I've lived the best years of music that you could possibly live. Yeah. Probably not, actually. You know, you think about the 40s and the 30s. I mean... They were pretty hot. That was, yeah. was awfully hot, and everybody was working hot. back then. Yeah. I mean, you had a thirty-piece band yeah. back yeah, then. The, you know, yeah, the, I remember the my mom. Twenties. Well, yeah, wow, yeah. You know? I remember my mom in the sixties saying, "You know, well, how do musicians make money when there's only five of them on stage? Like, because she was used to the big band sound, and that was, you yeah. know, it was like that. That was a real that was our downside. Raised on that, the Miller, Lionel, Thornton. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just all of them." Stork Club, Port Stanley. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And Wonderland. Yes. Oh, that was a great place to see <laughs> I a band. love. What a great place to see a band. Loved Wonderland. It was a great place to see any band. Any band. Truck, and it was like any, Palmer. Any I mean, band. it was just big band. It was fabulous. I yeah. love Wonderland. Some of the research that I've, a little bit of research that I've been doing on this, but I found in some of the readings is that, of course, the sale of online instruments has gone through the roof. So There's a positive. Got, so, so that's a positive to the point where people can't find them. The other thing is happening is that musicians of an age are going back and going, geez, you know, I learned the flute in high school, or I've always wanted to play the guitar. The guitar is collecting dust in the corner. They're now sitting down and sort of relearning instruments that they played 20 or 30 years ago. They still have them, never use them. So you've got a drummer who's picked up the guitar. You've got a bass player who maybe has gone back to the piano. A little bit of a different feel. And look, when you're writing, do you think that there might be a new renaissance in music that comes out of this? Maybe. Maybe more. Maybe that's the good thing. Maybe it's going to be more, like, real. I don't know. Um, That's a good thought. Uh, Maybe it's going to be more personal. Maybe people are going to... 
have more music that's in their homes and that's in their backyards and that's on their decks and you know because bars are something but like for the young people though it's a different it's different for us you know but for somebody that's 20 and 30 and stuff bars are a big part of you know i mean that's where you go to meet people when we were younger, we'd go to a bar to figure out what bar we were going to. I mean, we didn't have this, right? I met my husband at the gas works. Exactly. There say? you go. <laughs> you know? so, so that's the thing that worries me is the, is the, is the bars. is is the, Because that is where it begins for what, so many things. What about the, I mean, think of Yorkville. I mean, what we had back then in the 60s was the coffee houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had 30 people maybe, if you were lucky, crammed into a small coffee house in Yorkville. Do you think that maybe we might go back to something like that? You just said the key word, crammed in. Yeah. Like, we can't have that. And and it's the bums in the seats that pay everything. And if you can't have the bums in the seats and you need, like, something that's four times bigger to have the same amount of people in, that's, it's not conducive for business. Bars can't make money now because of their insurance and the, the, you know, just the laws and the bylaws we have is ridiculous for borrowers. So if, to make it even, there's no way. We can't cram in anybody. Yeah, I was, yeah, and, and you're right. We can't cram in anybody. And, but if you have a bar that's got a, you know, a capacity of maybe 75 people, you can stick 30 people in there. Yeah, but how, but, is, so then what? So then the, the ticket price goes up to $40 instead of 10 like is that is that is that going to be okay for everybody? You know, maybe music becomes more expensive. Maybe live music becomes more expensive. Maybe we pay the artists a little maybe, more too. Well, that's you see, you know, that would be nice. But then again, we're back to having a job that somebody will do for nothing, and that's that's been the big downfall in the last few years with the music businesses. Since streaming and all this stuff, we're not making any money off of our off of our recorded music. That the live show is the only thing that we've been able to, you know, to sell your CDs at that live show. You, you know, yeah, it's, all, it's your merch. all your merch, yeah. and that's been that's been the the only thing that's been the saving grace through this shit. And that's before this pandemic. So you know, it's I don't know. Okay, so collaboration, which is what you're doing right now for the blues show. Two parts in collaboration. One is collaboration among the musicians. How do you? How are you finding that? Painful. <laughs> well, we're huggers and we're kissers. I know. You know, I wanna, I wanna hug and kiss everybody, and we've known each other for so long. And, th- and when you get on stage with somebody and you spend a lot of time with them in the dressing room or on the road or in a car, and you, you become really close to these people, and like they're like your sisters and your brothers, and and we're all in pain right now, and in pain is when we need to hug the most. And I'm and like Keisha today, I just went up and hugged her and we both started crying. Just because, you know, this isn't this isn't what it's supposed to be like. It's, it's painful. It's painful. So collaboration is a challenge. Um, collaboration among artists insofar as having each other's back. Now from fast forwarding from the seventies and eighties there's been, and even with everybody, there's been issues among artists fighting for gigs. Um, not exactly, it hasn't exactly been a, a friendly atmosphere for a lot of artists. A lot of artists will come in, one artist will say, well, you know, I'll do that gig for 200 bucks. Somebody comes in behind and says, I'll do it for free. See, that's the you problem. Know, and that, and Since that's the, the problem. musicians' union went to shit in the 80s. Yeah. 
So do you think that this might now be an opportunity for musicians to start to band together no. and maybe work together and no. work with the venues? No? no. Why not? Well, because it's going to get even more cutthroat. And it's going to piss off people even more. I want to shoot people that have a full-time fucking job and that get up there on the weekends for 50 bucks amongst five people and free beer just so they can get away from their wife and kids. I, it drives me nuts. They, they're all, you know, they all play the same music. It's, it's all like, but, you know, it's super aggravating. Maybe, maybe what, maybe what will happen out of this is more original music will come out of this. Maybe more songwriting. Maybe the, the real musicians will be able to, to be more valued because the, the shit's going to fall by the wayside. And that will be, if you want that, if you want to listen to your top 40, you know, karaoke style of music, maybe that's, but, you know, the, for the musicians that are writers and that, you know, contribute to their art by being creative, you know, that that's the stuff that maybe will get better. Maybe, maybe... Maybe those people will start to in, start to appreciate good music. More. Maybe we'll get start to get quality over Maybe quantity. Maybe we'll start to get quality over quantity. Let's let's go with that. I would like that very much. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of shit out there. I mean, I'm I, I can't comment. Virgin I'm the radio, and it's like wow, like wow. <laughs> could you just get a little wimpier? Could that just be the? Could, I mean, it's. And then, you know, like, uh, there's some really good stuff, like Matt Whitinger, that I was, mm -hmm. he's got a new album called Breakage, and it, it's brilliant. And he's made it on vinyl, because vinyl's starting to come back for younger, which means that people are listening more. Which means maybe those purists, maybe those people that really enjoy, you know, real music, creative music that's not just the same old same old classic rock man i mean it's got its place but it's i'm i mean i never thought i'd be listening to nothing but the cbc because i can't stand listening to that classic rock anymore you know so i'll listen to matt whiting if you listen to julian taylor i will really, i've never heard of him this next song rocks with an all too real message with her wide-ranging voice cheryl lets us know that those of us of a certain age well, we're past our usefulness, according to those of another certain age, who apparently know everything. It's time to get out of town. They don't want you around.
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. We just heard the song Wise Old Owl, written and performed by Cheryl Lescom from her new CD, Well Played. You're listening to a conversation I had with Cheryl in late July 2020. There we go. Okay. So, there's not that many questions left. I have been wondering if, because everybody is on a level playing field right now, essentially, I mean, no, it doesn't matter if you're in the top 1% of a musician or a yeah. rocker who just burst out of the garage. You're, we're all, for once, everybody is on a level playing field. Do you think this might be a bit of a golden opportunity for local artists to shine? You know, they're always promoting about shop local, eat local, buy local. How about listen local and sort of start to build? So by the time, and I'm being very optimistic and positive about this, by the time sort of the music scene comes back, they've sort of built up their chops, maybe gathered a following, and maybe people will pay attention more to what's going on in the community and what they appreciate more what's going on in the community instead of spending five or six hundred dollars to go see taylor swift at the rogers center that that this might happen i mean this might be the good thing is that we do start to have more personal gigs which probably also means not bars you know like i said more more stuff that's you know in, in people's backyards and all that stuff but which means more local stuff and, and maybe we start to listen to um i, I mean i sure am I, I mean i've i've changed my listening habits a hundred percent in the last little while because i'm really um i don't know what it is it's not that i'm interested in the new stuff as much as it's just I guess I'm really sick of the old stuff. And I'm really excited to hear what's what's out there because now the people that are putting out CDs and and okay, there there's the there's the big equalizer right there is LPs. If you're putting out vinyl, you're a serious musician because it costs you way more money to put out vinyl than it does a CD. Right. So maybe this is what maybe this would be the big the big equalizer is that you can tell serious players that put out a CD or an LP. The rest of it's all streaming, and the rest of it maybe, maybe it's maybe it will be better for. I don't think it's going to be. Well, you know, something okay. that that's that's interesting that you say, and hopefully that hopefully that that might be something that does come out is that people you know respect real musicians more and maybe buy their product. Do you think that any of this has maybe? made people more appreciative of music and musicians it's sure made me more appreciative of, of everything everything you know everything just even that shitty little bar that I used to hate playing I play in New York second right now you know? <laughs> getting in the car and driving four hours for 200 bucks I'd almost do that you know like yeah. no I wouldn't but but you know it's it's I have a I have a little bit better situation because I'm not I'm not young. I'm at the end. You know, I've got a new song on my new CD, and one of the song one of the lines is is you know your life is just beginning. My life is is you know I'm on the back nine. You know, and I don't have to be quite as scared because you know plus I've had cancer and everything else. You know, we're at this this age where. Shit's gonna happen. Shit's happened. 
whatever. I'm still happy to be here. What have you learned from all this? I miss playing live. I miss audiences. Um, I've, I've learned that I, I'm, I have a bigger appreciation for bar owners. Um, I have a bigger appreciation for teachers and I don't even have my kids. I'm not even teaching my kids at home. I think I've learned from this that, you know, it's, um, I had to stop. I had to stop. I had to put the brakes on and I would have never done that. I would have just kept going and going. I had to stop and smell the roses and I had to, but, but again, I, I'm, I'm able to look at this differently because of my age and I'm, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, men in the situation, like when I look at Dylan Wickens and I look at, you know, Wayne Deatter and all these great players that are full-time players and they've got kids and they've got, and they're 40-year-old men and they're, you know, they're, they're providers in some way. Like women still have to have the babies physically and all the rest of it. So I, I feel, I feel sorrier for the men in this situation. I, it's still... It's still a little bit, you know, they still have to provide. They still do. And it's a, it's a bitch out there to be a... I can't even imagine how they're doing. I can't even imagine. You know, I, they must be just sick to their stomach. Every day for two months I was losing gigs. And they were too. But I wasn't losing having this look at my little... My son, who's like nine years old, who I can't buy a birthday present for. You know, I, I'm scared for them. I'm scared to death for them. And my heart breaks for them. I, I, what I've learned about this is that I personally don't fucking matter. I really don't. Others matter more than I do. Two positives to come out of this. Two positives. One personally and one professionally. Personally, I've spent more time with my kids and my friends, and it's summertime, so I've been able to spend time at a friend's cottage and stuff that I'm not running around, spending all my time thinking, how, what am I going to wear? What band am I going to use? How long is it going to take me to get there? When am I going to get home? Those questions have stopped. And it's been kind of nice to just take that breath, you know? And that's a positive. What, what, what was the other one? <laughs> Personally and professionally. That's that. See, there's no difference for me. There's no difference. It's it's all personal. <laughs> it's all professional. It's all personal I have no relationship other than my children because of the music business. Right. I've given, you know, every relationship I've ever had has been destroyed because I'm a singer. But are you talking about personal relationships or relationships? With personal relationships. No. And even female relationships. An awful lot of my female friends went by the wayside because you know. They are jealous, and I hate to say shit like that, but that's the only thing that I can figure it out because I'm a nice person. Yes, you are. <laughs> and like, I've had an awful lot of women that have, you know, said really bad things and nasty stuff, and over the years, over, you know, and because of me being on stage and maybe their boyfriends, said, you know, I mean, it's changed, it's changed relationships. But for me, every man I've ever been with has has left because. You know, Fridays and Saturdays are for my boyfriend. Music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's your lover. Mm -hmm. That's my lover. Okay. This is this has been an interesting question. Everybody has a favorite artist. Who would you want to either open for or perform with? Open for slash share the stage with. Hmm. 
Uh, can I have Bruno Mars's band? Because <laughs> I fucking love him. <laughs> He's fantastic. He's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, for, like, I think I, you know, I would have to say somebody like that, like, um, because he's just such a, and anybody, like I, I, I would say, you know, Eric Clapton, um, because I, I want him as my guitar player, and you know, I want to be able to have great backup singers, so that would be. <laughs> and can I have like, can I pick up can you pick a band? Okay, <laughs> so what's the band you want? To, this is my. So what? Okay, so let's let's do this. Who's in your band? Who's in my band? Eric Clapton on guitar. Um, on drums. Well, you know what? Paul DeLong would do. <laughs> He's fucking awesome. Um, on, on bass, I love Wayne Deatter's bass playing, so he's a, he's a Canadian. Um, and I'd want, I'd want Matt Whitinger on my keyboards. And I'd want, uh, I'd want... I'd want Bruno Mars's band if I could afford him, but you see, I'm always thinking about, gee, I can't afford him. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, nothing to do with. I don't afford. know. You know this what? This is I, your dream band. Uh, okay, then my dream band would probably be Bruno Mars's band because it's just fucking ridiculous, and the way they dance together and all that stuff. Like, you know, if it was like in Tina Turner or something like that from way back then, but for now, from right now, I think that's probably the most happening band out there. And that's the energy that I would really love to, if I was going to have one, I could see you on stage. one last show, that would be it. <laughs> I could see you on stage with Bruno. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, I just had... He's an amazing artist. Huge respect. I, I wanted to see him so bad, and then the tickets were like $400. Like, who does that? You see, that's the shit that, you know... I, I, I mean, maybe after this whole thing, maybe that's also going to change, is that people aren't going to have this, the, the cash to throw around to go see a four hundred dollar show, not. you know, but they're still going to want to see, you know, maybe, maybe it will be good for these new musicians and these young kids, these younger people, where people can go and see something and they can say, "I knew him when," because a lot of people live for that. I knew, I saw that guy at the sixty, you know, like, and they just right on. But maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah. You know, maybe that'll be it. You know, Pat, we're in we're in such different places in our lives. You know, yeah. I, I just I don't want to I don't want to retire now. This isn't what I I don't want to do. It. I'm I've never got, retired. I've got a lot left in me, but I don't want to be forced to retire either. And I'm not playing shit. I'm not getting up in front. I'm not getting on stage with a you know a dog collar on me that you know so I don't spit on the audience and wear a mask. And I'm not doing that. I, I, I'd rather not play. So until it opens up for me. The way I, I can get back to enjoying my job, because I, I don't really want to do it half fast. Now I'll do any. I don't mean that as just having to be on a stage and like I be in a backyard stage. It doesn't matter. But I don't want to have to have all this stuff. You want to play with Paul? I'd love to play with Paul. You've just listened to a conversation I had with singer-songwriter Cheryl Lescombe in July 2020. Things were starting to open up, outdoor patios were busy, as you can hear, and the weather was gorgeous. Check out Cheryl's new album, Well Played, on her website. Many thanks to Eddie and Quincy Bowen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the theme music for the show. And to those of you tuned in, 
Thank you for taking the time to listen, inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. If you'd like to continue listening to what these musicians have to say, follow me on Podbean or any one of the platforms you're using, and you'll be notified automatically when the next conversation is published. I am Pat Blythe, and you're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.